appreciate them ladies singing for us tonight. How many of you brought your Bible with you? It's 558, uh, if you'll take your Bible. And uh, let's see if I can find a microphone here in case I want to jump around here a little bit. And uh, open your Bible tonight, please, to Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles chapter 24. And if you'll just leave your Bibles open there and follow me for just a minute, I'm not going to read any scripture to start with. I'll just kind of pray and we'll jump right into this. But I want to preach a little bit at the end of this chapter tonight and just talk to you about what happened. And I, I want to say before I even start with this, I, I wish this wasn't true, but it is. And uh, so if you'll just bear with me for a minute, we'll try to work our way through this text here in just a moment. Second Chronicles chapter 24. And we'll begin reading. Let's pray and then we'll get started. Father, please bless your word tonight. Thank you that it is well with our soul. And if there's anybody in here tonight that is not well with their soul, I'm glad it can be well before this service is over. All they got to do is put their faith, their trust in Jesus. And so, Father, please, as I preach tonight, may the Spirit of God use the word of God however he chooses to do so. And God, just help us all as we listen to the Word of God. And Lord, this is not just good for young people, though I'll be preaching to young people. It's good for all of us. And I pray you'd help us. Lord, please, from the Bible, in Jesus' name, amen. When I announced our text tonight in Second Chronicles chapter 24, it may almost sound a little bit familiar to you because it is. You may remember that uh, we have just come through a month of getting prepared for stewardship the next three years of our stewardship program. And one of the messages that I always preach every three years, just mark her down, every three years I preach about this boy king by the name of Joash. Joash, the king of Judah. His story, the story of Joash, at least initially, is one of encouragement. Because we read in our text that at the very tender age of only seven years old, Joash has uh, set his heart to, uh, to, uh, to mind the things of God. Let me start now. Look at chapter 24, verse 1. The Bible said that he was seven years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He did that which was right in, uh, in the sight of the Lord. So here's a young man at the tender age of only seven years old through a very tragic set of circumstances, has been thrust into the highest political office in all the land of Israel. Now, of course, you know that along with that comes a lot of pomp, a lot of pageantry, and, uh, and a lot of position. But along with that also comes a lot of pressure. That's why we ought to really pray for our president, because he is under a lot of pressure. And whether you like him or you don't like him, that's in, regardless to me, I live for, through Obama, you can live through Trump. And uh, so, you're welcome. Thank you, Brother Gene, for that good sign on the back of your bumper. I stole that when I walked in the church tonight. Brother Gene's got a sign on his truck that says, I live through Obama, you can live through Trump. So uh, anyway, that's where I got that at. So uh, anyway, hey, boy, we ought, really ought to pray for him because with that high position and all the pomp and the prestige that comes along with that, there's a lot of pressure as well. 
And that was especially true of this young man by the name of Joash. And remember, he is only seven years old. If you may think back, it's probably been three or four weeks ago, but when I preached about him, I said this, while all the other boys his age were out damming up the creek and running through the fields and, and uh, didn't have a care in the world, here's this young man at seven years old who's sitting in national security meetings. He's balancing budgets and overseeing health care reform. That's right. Here's a young man seven years old, the king of Judah, and the Bible said that he had a heart to do that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And if you'll read in our text, one of the first things that he wants to do there in verse number 4 is he wants to do something for the house of God. He's doing that which is right. Stay with me. He's doing that which is right in the sight of the Lord. And then the very next thing that we find in verse number 4, he wants to do something for the house of God. That leads me to make this statement. If you're doing right in the sight of God, somewhere in your life there'll be a love and a loyalty for and to the house of God. Can I say that one more time? If you're doing that which is right in the sight of God, if you have a desire to do that which is right in the sight of God, you cannot, you will not try to bypass the church. There'll be somewhere in your life a love and a loyalty for the house of God of God. Now you may remember through, a, uh, through the former kings and queens that sat on the throne before Joash, man, they've tore up the house of God. Look at verse number 7 again. The Bible said the sons of Athaliah, by the way, she was the queen of Israel, and the Bible said in verse 7, she's that wicked woman, and we're told that she had broken up the house of God. And all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord, such as the candlestick, the table of incense, uh, the, uh, the showbread, all of that stuff, she had taken it and she'd give it over to the worship of a false god by the name of Balaam. So I mean to tell you the house of God is in a great state of disrepair. It's in a great state of destruction and here comes this boy king, seven years old, doing that which is right in the sight of God and the very first thing he wants to do, he wants to do something for the house of God. Verse number four said he was minded to repair the house of the Lord. Now let me remind you again, Joash owes a great debt to the house of God. Because you remember when he was uh, just born, right after he was born, when this woman by the name of Athaliah set herself up to be the queen of the nation of Israel, the Bible said one of the first things she did is she rose up and she slew all the royal seed. You say, preacher, what's that mean? Uh, she slew anybody. She killed anybody that would be a rival to that throne. So in other words, all the king's sons, all the children that was, uh, had the next position to be on the throne to be the king, she thought by killing all those uh, children that she could set herself up for a long reign uh, as a queen over the nation of Judah. Then you may remember that while she was killing all those children, this boy Joash, his nurse, when she was going on this murderous rampage of killing all the children, this nurse, the nurse of Joash, just an infant, took him up. And the Bible said she took off running, uh, running, she took off running, and the place that she ran to was the house of God. And the Bible said that she hid him there in the house of God for seven years. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Here's an old boy, this young boy. Can I tell you this? I mean, for seven years in his life, that's all he's known as the house of God. So could I say this about Joash? You know what Joash is? Joash is a church kid. That's exactly what Joash is. I mean, buddy, he has been brought up 
in the house of God. His whole life has revolved around the house of the Lord. And by the way, no wonder he wants to do something for God's house. Boy, he feels a great indebtedness to the house of God because that house of God, as the preacher said Monday night, has been his refuge. That house of God has been his safe haven from the turmoil and the, and the murderous uh, plans of old key, Queen Athaliah. I mean, the house of God has literally kept him alive for seven years. He's been hit out in the house of God. She doesn't know that he's in there. So can I say this about him? For his whole life, he has been around the holy things of God. He is so dead serious about doing something for the house of God, he feels such an indebtedness to the house of God that he comes up with a novel idea. Since he wants to do something for the house of God, and since it costs money to do something for the house of God, he makes a chest, just like that one right there. I see people coming up this morning still slipping their cards in the chest of Joash. Thank you. God bless you. But he made a chest just like that when we sat down front. And he commanded all the people to come around, as many as wanted to, as were willing, to drop money into that chest, place things into that chest, and they were going to use that. They were going to use that to repair, to repair the house of the Lord. So Joash did. He set the chest there. He commanded the people, hey, come around. Let's do something for the house of God. The people did, and the Bible said that they received a great offering, and the work began on the house of God. Look down this same chapter now, verse number 13. So the workmen wrought. So, I mean, there's much damage been done. I mean, you think about it. The whole time Athaliah has been on the throne, I mean, they have tore up the house of God. It's setting in a great state of disrepair. So the workmen wrought, verse 13 says, and the work was perfected. It was, it was, uh, it was uh, finished by them. And the Bible said they set the house of God in his state and strengthened it. And then verse 14 said, and they finished it. You let me tell you why? All because a church kid wanted to do something for the house of God. A child that had been brought up in church felt like he owed something to the house of God and wanted to do, do something for the house of God. But now look at me. Boy, I wish I could tell you that's where the story ended. I wish I could tell you that right after they finished that, old Joash just did right and lived for God. And they had a great time and it went good. But I can't tell you that. Because when I read the rest of the story, here's what I find. I find a church kid who went bad. A church kid who went bad. You know, our churches today are full of parents whose children have brought those kids up right. They brought their children up to love the Lord. They brought their children up to love the house of God. They brought their children up to serve the Lord Jesus. And yet those kids have forsaken the house of God. They have forsaken God. They have forsaken the right. They have forsaken, uh, they have forsaken the Lord, and they have turned their back on all that they were taught to hold precious. Many people sitting right here in this room tonight sit here, and as I mentioned this, I mean, you think about those days when just right down the road where you sit at, just right down a few seats from you, you used to set your children. Boy, you brought those children up to love Jesus. You brought those children up to love the house of God, and now tonight you sit on that church, church row by yourself with your children not even in the house of God, not even serving God. You know what happened? They were church kids.
who went bad. Can I ask you something? Why do so many church kids go bad? I mean, why do so many of our children, I said our children, why do so many of our children that we bring up to serve God and to love the Lord, why do they turn aside? I mean, why do they forsake all that we have, we've tried to instill in them that's right and precious and good? And here's the way you ought to live. And here's the Bible you ought to live by. And here's the God that you ought to love. And here's the place that you ought to be faithful to. Why do our children abandon all that? I, I mean to tell you, most of the time, you'll find that crowd that reaches the age of 18, and then they go off to college. And here's the thing. When they graduate college, they never come back to church. Or if they do go to church, they go to some off-brand, some off-the-wall kind of a church where they bebop for Jesus and all that. What happens to those kids? What happens when church kids, when they go bad? Well, I want to do this tonight. I want you to look with me. Can I just read you his story? Then I want to go back. i got three things to say about church kids who go bad right here from this text. Now, look here in verse. Let's, let's just start in verse number, uh, verse 15. The Bible said, but Jehoiada. Now, you've got to remember, Jehoiada is the priest. So here's, here's what we can say. Joash is the president. Jehoiada is the priest. Now, the two highest positions in all the land of Israel was the king and the high priest. So Joash was the king, and Jehoiada was the high priest. The king looked after all the political affairs of the nation. The priest, the high priest, looked after all the spiritual affairs of the nation. And the Bible said from the time that Joash was born that Jehoiada kind of looked after Joash, that Jehoiada kind of took Joash under his wing and kind of just, you know, just tried to help him along a little bit. But now we read in verse number 15 that Jehoiada, the Bible said he waxed old and was full of days when he died, and he died at 130 years old. He What was he when he died? So Jehoiada has now died. Look at verse 16. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel both toward God and toward his house. Now look at verse 17. Now, after the death of Jehoiada, came the princes of Judah and made obeisance to the king. Who's the king? What's his name? Joash. So now these princes, after Jehoiada's died, these princes, they come to Joash, and the Bible said they do obeisance to the king. And then notice verse 17, Then the king hearkened unto them. Now look at verse 18. And they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for their trespass. Yet he, God, sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord. And they testified against him, but they would not. What's the last two words? They wouldn't listen. Just like I was preaching this morning, they would not listen. Verse 20, and the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith the God, why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him. Zechariah, the priest, they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the... Who's the king? So Joash had the preacher killed. Talk about a church kid gone wrong. Talk about a church kid gone bad. The Bible said in verse 22, Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness of Jehoiada, his father, had done unto him, 
but slew his son. And when he died, he said, the Lord look upon it and required. In other words, he said, hey, God take care of all that. Then look at verse number, uh, let's drop all down. Look at verse number, let's see. Where does it talk about him being killed? So they executed you. Look at verse 24. For the armies of the Syrians came with a small company of men. The Lord delivered a very great host into their hand because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment against Joash. Verse 25. And when they were departed from him, for they left him in great diseases. Isn't that a sight? A church kid. So much promise. So much potential. And when the devil's crowd got through with him, he was diseased. Hey, can I just stop and say that that's a good possibility that happens to people? When they turn aside from following God, there is a strong possibility they'll be left with a bunch of diseases. Can I have an amen? amen. Now look on down at verse number 25. And the Bible said they left him in great diseases. His own servants conspired against him. The Bible said they slew him on his bed and he died. And they buried him in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulchers of the king. A church kid gone bad. You know something, truth of the matter is, most of us in here can name some church kids who have gone bad. As I said a moment ago, maybe you sit here in this building tonight and you're a parent of a church kid. I mean a kid just like Joash who was brought up in the house of God. By the way, that's an understatement. He was brought up in the house of God. I mean he lived in the house of God. He was around the holy things of God continually. And yet the Bible said threw all that aside, cast it all away, and wound up in diseases and died. A church kid going bad. Why do church kids go bad? Why is it tonight? And I hope those ladies that sang for us tonight, and there's a lot of other children in this room tonight, boy, I hope you don't go bad. Boy, I hope, listen, if I come back here in 10, 15 years and somebody asked me to come back up here and preach, say, hey, hey, we want to have a special day. We're going to bring Brother Tim back into this church. I hope some of you church kids would come up to me and shake my hand and say, do you recognize me? And I'll say, I know you. What's going on? Well, I'm married. I got three kids. My children just got baptized the other night. I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm running a bus route. I'm singing in the choir. I'm here every time the doors is open. I'll tell you that, that that'd encouraged my heart. But I promise you, Ten years from tonight, some of you sitting in this room will have gone bad. Now, why do church kids go bad? Well, all you got to do is look at the life of Joash. Can I suggest three things? Look in our text. Here's three reasons why church kids go bad. First of all, can I say this? They go bad because of a wrong crowd. They go bad because of a wrong crowd. Now, if you'll look back in verse number 2, same chapter, verse 2, the Bible said that Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And then notice how the Holy Spirit throws this in. All the days of Jehoiada, the priest. In other words, it seems like to me, as long as Jehoiada was around, as long as, as, long as Joash was under the influence, under the sway of, of Jehoiada, Old Joash was doing that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Uh, could I say this and say it truthfully? Jehoiada was the right kind of influence in the life of old Joash. But then we read over in verse number 17 that after Jehoiada died, the first thing that happened, the Bible said, then came the princes of Judah. Right after Jehoiada died, right after he passed away, Old Joash allowed himself to get around the wrong kind of people. 
these princes of Judah, they were not of the caliber. They were not of the character. They were not of the conviction of Jehoiada, the priest. They were totally opposite of what Jehoiada, the priest, was. And it wasn't long until that boy that had grown up under the sway, the influence of a great and godly man, after he died, wasn't long till they allowed themselves to get around the wrong crowd. Why is it that so many bad stories start out like this? Well, it all started when I got around the wrong crowd. How many times, hey, if I had a microphone tonight and I could go to the state pen down in Raleigh and walk up and down death row and just say to those fellows in them little four-by-eight cells, stick a mic through that little hole and say this, where did it all go wrong at? I guarantee you a lot of them would start like this. Well, it all started when I got around the wrong crowd. Many people whose life is in the mess that it's in, the, that it's in tonight, their sad story starts off with those words. It all started when I got around the wrong crowd. You see, what many of us don't understand is this. The people that we associate with, the people that we surround ourselves with, many times exert a greater influence over us. They exert a greater pull over us in our lives, even more so than even God does. That's why it's so important to surround yourself with the right kind of people. You are right now, or you soon will be, just like the people that you associate with. You are right now, or you soon will be, just like the people that you hang around with. Hey, hey, who's your crowd? Who's your posse? Who's your friends? Who are you hanging around? You show me a good Christian that gets around the wrong crowd instead of that good Christian pulling them up and lifting them up. Oftentimes, 99 9.9% of the time instead of us pulling them up they'll pull us down that's why we better get around the right crowd Yes, right. by the way I'm preaching to adults tonight too you got no business hanging around with that cussing, swearing, pot smoking, immoral crowd down there at the factory that's unfaithful to their wife or to their husband listen that's the wrong crowd stay away from that crowd in God's name if you have to be by yourself. Stay by yourself. Don't worry about it. I'm not talking about being a stop, being stuck up, being highbrow, not speaking to anybody. But in God's name, hang out with the right crowd. This wrong crowd exerts a greater pull. The people that we hang around with, they exert an influence in our life more so many times than even God does. And I can prove it. The Bible said that Adam, that Adam walked with two people. He walked with God in the cool of the day, but he lived with Eve. And when it came time to do what was right, who'd Adam listen to? Hey, Adam even heard the voice of God of all the trees of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree which is in the midst of the garden thou shalt not eat thereof, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt... God, Adam heard that! But when he came home that night and Eve was at the kitchen table bawling her eyes out because she had sinned against God, instead of listening to God, who'd Adam listen to? He listened to the crowd that he hung around with. Abraham lived with two people. 
Abraham is called the friend of God. Abraham was close with God, walked with God on top of Mount, uh, Mount uh, help me, Mount Moriah. I mean, man, Abraham knew God like few of us know God, and yet he lived with a woman by the name of Sarah. And when it came time to do that which was right, and, and, and just hold, wait on God, wait for the promises of God, and instead of doing that, who did he listen to? He listened to Sarah, turned into Hagar, and we've got something called 9-11 in America because Abraham... Listen to Sarah more than he listened to God. I'm just trying to say, man, the crowd that we run with, boy, let's choose to run with the Jehoiadus. Hey, stick around people. You say, well, they're boring. I'd be bored then. But hang around the right crowd. Stick around the people that's got a little character about them. Stick around some folks that's got uh, some conviction about them. Hang with the right crowd, and you'll never, ever be a church kid that goes bad. Wrong crowd. Wrong crowd. You are right now, or you soon will be, just like the people that you associate with. By the way, look at verse 17. Notice what happened. The Bible said that the princes of Judah, they came after the death of Jehoiada. You know, let me tell you why they didn't come when Jehoiada was around? Because Jehoiada would run them off. Jehoiada could see through that fake crowd. He could see what them princes were. Buddy, they dare not come around while that godly old man was alive. Man, they were afraid of him. They didn't, they didn't dot their I's, cross their T's like he did. They didn't want anything to do with him, and neither would he allow them into the presence of the king because, man, he wanted that king to stay right. Don't you ever get mad at your mom and daddy when they try to say that's not a person you should be hanging around with. You ought to thank God in heaven for a mom and daddy who loves you enough that you're not going to let you run and rip and snort with just anybody that comes along. But they got to know that they love Jesus before they recommend them to be your friend. Yes, sir. Am I preaching right? Wrong crowd. It all starts with a wrong crowd. But next we go to this. Oh, by the way, let me just say this. Back up in verse 17. This caught my eye. The Bible said the prince of Judah, and they, notice this, and they made obeisance to the king. You know what I think they did? They flattered him a little bit. They came to him, and man, they said, oh, man, king. Well, as far as you're concerned, you're the cat's, we're concerned, you're the cat's meow. King, I'm telling you, mm, mm. I mean, man, they were just, and the king got a little puffed up. He was flattered by what they were saying about him. That man... Wrong crowd. Number two, watch this. Not only was there a wrong crowd, but there was a worldly council. Why did this church kid go bad? I'll tell you why. He started listening to the wrong kind of council. You see, when you get around the wrong crowd, you're never going to receive the right counsel. Got to say that one more time. I like the sound of it. When you get around the wrong crowd, you're never, ever going to get the right counsel. That's the reason we read there in verse number 17. The Bible said that they came, the princes of Judah came, they made obeisance to the king, and then notice the very next phrase, and the king hearkened unto them. Never fails. Get around the wrong crowd. Buddy, the first thing you know, you start getting the wrong counsel. That's why we better be careful who we take our counsel from. If you're struggling with your marriage tonight, don't go seek out somebody who's been married six times and get counsel from them. That's not the place to get your counsel from. If you're trying to do what's right, don't go find somebody who's done time and try to get your counsel from them. I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to find you a Jehoiada somewhere. 
Somebody's got a little bit of character about them. Somebody that loves God. Somebody that loves the Bible. Somebody that's been doing right for years. That's who you need to get your counsel from. But the Bible said that old Joash started listening and hearkening to these princes. I don't know what they said, but I just hear them. Can I just maybe, I, I don't know exactly, but I can just almost just in my mind probably hear him say something like this. Joash, you know Jehoiada, he is a good man, but he is old-timey in his beliefs. Joash, he was out of step with this generation. Joash, man, he was trying to hold you back. He was trying to keep you from becoming who you really are. Joash, there's a big old world out here waiting for you. Jehoiada wasn't at all interested in you trying new things. Oh, Joash, there are things to try, things to do. Hey, Joash, this is a new day. Things have changed. I mean, this is a new century. It's time for a change. Hey, Joash, there's a better way now. I mean, can't you just hear, hear these princes saying all that? Joash, what are you doing going to church all the time? I mean, why are you so interested in pleasing the Lord? You ever seen God? I mean, can you not just hear all this stuff? Joash, I mean, look at all this stuff. Man, there's so much out here waiting for you. And I want to say this, and I want you to listen. What happened was these, these princes not only got into the presence of the king, they got into the head and the heart of the king. It's one thing to get into the presence of the wrong crowd. It's another thing when the wrong crowd gets in you. I could tell you right now, church kid after church kid. We've had a Christian, I've been here for 22 years. I've seen them come. I've seen them go. I've seen them walk across this platform. What I thought, good kids, next time I see them, they don't even look like what they used to look like. I mean, man, they, they're so far away from what they were. I've been sitting in restaurants before or whatever. I've been in a grocery store, seen some of our church kids, our graduates, buying beer. I mean, man, you say, preacher, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. They got around the wrong crowd, but then the wrong crowd got in their head and got in their heart. Hey, man, you better sit up and listen to me tonight. I'm telling you, man, it's bad enough to get in the presence of the wrong crowd but when that wrong crowd gets in your head and starts telling you things that aren't true, trying to make you feel like somebody you're not or telling you you're this way or you're that way, you hear me and hear me well, it's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Stay away from that crowd. Wrong crowd. Worldly counsel. Worldly counsel. Joy, it was old-fashioned, Joash. You don't need that. I mean, look, man, your daddy's out of date. Your, your mama's out of date. They're not with the times. I mean, this stuff of staying sexually pure to get married, I mean, where do you get that at anymore? I get it out of the Bible is where I get it at. And I'm going to keep preaching it. Amen. I'm going to keep preaching against liquor and, and premarital sex and homosexuality and lesbianism, LBGQQYXWXI, Channel 12, whatever. I'm going to preach against all that stuff. You know why? God's against it in the Bible. And thank God for mamas and daddies who say, that's not the way. I know the crowd's saying, it's okay. 
Man, listen, they're just trying to hold you back. Hey, listen, we're not trying to hold you back. We're trying to help you out. You better stay around the right crowd or you're going to run into some wrong counsel. The Bible said they came and started talking to him and the king hearkened. They got around his presence, but more tragically, they got in his head. Boy, I wish I could preach this like I mean it. Boy, I wish I could tell you tonight how many kids have messed up their life because some old ungodly crowd got in their head. And by the way, they'd never got in their head if they hadn't got around that crowd. They allowed themselves to get in that wrong crowd. They started telling them things that wasn't true, got inside their head, got them started questioning the old-time way, questioning the Bible, questioning what the preacher preached, questioning what their parents had put inside of them all those years, question mark, question mark, question mark, until finally it changed their mind about who they were. You don't even have to say it, I will. Amen, preacher. Wrong crowd. Worldly counsel. And i got to close, but I want you to look at the third thing, and that's this. When they got in the wrong crowd, when he got in the wrong crowd, started listening to the worldly counsel, he developed a wicked character. Now, I want you to look at verse 18. Here's what the Bible said. They left the house of the Lord God of their fathers. Wait a minute for crying out loud. Joash, that place saved your life, man. That house kept you alive. That church kept you. That church, that's where you heard about Jesus. That church is where you received the gift of eternal life. That church is what kept your mom and daddy together. That church helped you out through the hard time. That church prayed for you. What in the name of God are you forsaking the house of God for? Amen. Hey, this house of God ain't never done you wrong. Amen. Or Silas said, hey, man. He puts an H on it. Hey, man. I'm telling you, this church ain't never hurt nobody. This church ain't never tried to do anything but good to you, keep you right, keep you pointing down the right road in the right direction. The Bible said he, for, he left the house of the Lord God of his fathers. I can't believe that. He served, look at verse 18, served groves and idols. The Bible said it, uh, and yet, isn't it just like God? Look at verse 19. Isn't it just like the Lord? In mercy and grace, the Lord sent old Joash a message. The Bible said in verse 19, he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord. Aren't you glad we serve a God like that? If I was God and that boy had done that, I'd have cut him off quicker than you'd cut off a stinking grass, whatever. I mean, he, and what did God do? Hey, Joash, this, you're not going the right direction, son. Come back to me. This is not at all my plan for you. This is going to wind up hurting you, Joash. This is going to destroy your life. Worshiping these false gods and the groves and the idols and leaving off the Lord, the house of God. Son, this is not my plan for you. This is going to hurt you. Come on back. Come on back, Joash. I mean, that's what verse 19 says. Look at it again, verse 19. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not. Joash said, man, I ain't listening to that. He done had a taste of the bright lights. He done had a taste of, of what these people were putting in his head. He, I mean, he's, he's gone. His mind is made up. Nobody's going to talk him out of what, what's going on. And then if you look at verse 19, here's what, verse 20. The Spirit of God came upon an old preacher by the name of Zechariah. And the name Zechariah simply means this. If you want to write it down, it means man of God. So you know what God did? God sent him a man of God. God loved that boy so much. God got so used to him hanging around the house of God. 
I mean, God was so used to that boy running in there around them holy things. God had watched that boy grow up in the house of God and how good God, and the fellowship they had had together, that little old boy singing them songs. And, and I mean, God said, and the Bible, God said, I'm not done with him yet. I'm going to send him a man of God. And God sent an old boy by the name of Zechariah. He started preaching to him. And if you'll look there at verse 21, the king, Joash, the church kid, had him killed in the house of God. Can you believe that? I mean, drag him out to the dung heap and kill him. Why are you going to kill him in the house of God? But that's not what bothers me. What bothers me is there's verse number 20 when it tells us that Zechariah was the son of Jehoiada. That man that had invested his life into that little boy king, Joash, poured his life into that king. I mean, loved him when he didn't have a mom and daddy to love him because that's dead. Loved him when there were no brothers or sisters. And that old man of God poured his life into that boy. I mean, just poured it in there and just poured and, and influenced him and, 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 and wanted him to do what was right and just poured his whole life into him. And yet the Bible said after Jehoiada died, God raised up Zechariah. He killed the son of the man that had invested so much of his life into him. Isn't that just like church kids? God help every church kid when these people around here pour their lives into you and invest their time in you. These school teachers in this Christian school, your mamas and daddies, hey, I'm a preacher. I love you with all my heart. And I stand up here every Sunday and sweat and spit and holler and hurt and everything else trying to get you to do what's right. You know what I'm doing? I'm, put, I'm pouring my life out to y'all. Man, I want you to do right. I want you to grow up and get married, have a godly family. Live. I don't care if you play, bless God, in the NBA. Drive a dump truck, but live for Jesus. Amen, Amen. Amen preacher. Live for God. That's what's going to matter when life is over. And you dump your life and you invest your life. And then these kids walk out of here. It's almost like, preacher. I'm tired. I'm done with that. There's a big, bright world out here waiting for me. And he, and he forgot all the good that Jehoiada had done for him. Isn't that amazing how church kids do that? I tell you what, if I was a church kid sitting in here tonight, I'd make up my mind I wasn't going to be a Joash. No, sir. I'd make up my... Well, I'd be a Joash in the first part of his life and the last part of his life. Man, he blew it. You know what I was going to entitle this instead of a church kid? I know we got to go. You ain't got time for this. But I, I got to tell you, you know what I was going to title this? The Tale of Two Funerals. Because I do funerals all the time. I was going to preach on tonight the Tale of Two Funerals because let me show you what happened when they died. Look at verse number 16. Here's what the Bible said. He was 130 years old. I'm talking about Jehoiada, the man of God, that godly man. That godly man. Jehoiada, uh, he waxed old, 130 years old, and he died. Verse 16, they buried him in the city of David. Notice this phrase, among the kings. I mean, here's a preacher that they gave a kingly funeral to. I mean, man, here's, a, here's an old prophet, an old priest. They said, man, that guy's done so much good for this country. He's done so much good for this nation. We ain't going to stick him out in just any graveyard. We're going to put him over there where the kings are buried. We're going to do that boy right. We're going to do this man right. So they buried him where the kings were buried. Now look when Joash died. 
Look at verse number 15, verse 25. The Bible said he, he got all kind of diseases. Can I just say one more time? You forsake God, you're going to come down with all kind of diseases. You go out here and you jump from one bed to the next bed, from one motel to the next motel, from one dirty needle to the next. You can do all that you want to, but don't you at all be surprised if you don't come down with all kind of diseases. You're welcome. He got all, and then the Bible said that he died. His own people, his own servants, rose up and killed him. And the Bible said they buried him in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulcher of the kings. There's another passage over in, I think it's 2 Kings 12, said this, He departed without being desired. A church kid. Departed. You know what that phrase means? He departed and nobody cared. <laughs> you know when I die, I want somebody to care, please. Will somebody please care when I die? I mean, would you cry a little bit? I mean, would you say if I die tonight, oh, God, we don't know what we're going to do without him. Oh, and try to drag me out of the coffin. Would you please do that when I... Don't bury him. Pickle him. We'll set him up around here in a glass case somewhere. But Joash, he died. Nobody even cared. You know why? He was a church kid or turned his back on God. And I just want to say to every church kid in here, don't you ever, ever turn your back on God. Too many people have poured their lives into you trying to get you to do right. Don't you thumb your nose at that, give them a finger and walk out of here and say, I don't care. Amen. Church kid gone bad. Let's pray.